Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us about what kind of people God wanted the Jewish people to be and how he expects us to be that same people today. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Friday, November 23rd, 2012. Fans for the English Tottenham soccer team are in Rome in a downtown bar. Tottenham is a very Jewish area of London. Suddenly, an attacking mob chanting, Jews, 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 enters the bar with knives and baseball bats and hurts the people. Rome is shocked with the new rise of anti-Semitism. The mayor of Rome announces the city is going to spend $27 million to build a Holocaust museum on the ground of Mussolini's former villa. Is that the answer to anti-Semitism? Another Holocaust museum? The solution to the problem of anti-Semitism is not to educate the world more with how much the Jewish people have been persecuted. The solution to the problem of anti-Semitism is evangelism. It's to bring the lost to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, the knowledge of God, because when people know the Lord Jesus Christ, they have friendship with God, and when they have friendship with God, they love God's people, the Jewish people. And you might be saying, I want to love the Jewish people, but whenever I try to bring them the gospel, they're so rejecting. What can I do? I've spoken to so many lost Jewish people, and I've tried to witness to them, but they just push me off. Well, let me share with you something that works for me. When you encounter a Messiah-rejecting, mercy-forsaking Jewish person, think like I do, that inside that lost Jewish person is another person, a trapped person inside, and he's visualized, he's crying out to you. That trapped person inside that Jewish person, that lost Jewish person, is wanting you to show them that you will not stop loving them. He's wanting you to show them that you will not stop bringing the life-giving message, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to that trapped person. That trapped person inside that lost Jewish person is wanting you to not give up. Look into the eyes of that Jewish person, that lost Jewish person. See the trapped, lost soul inside, imprisoned by their own stubborn pride. Hear the cries of that trapped, lost, imprisoned soul. They're crying out to you, and you are their only hope. Now, more than what you say to them, lost Jewish people are looking at you, and you're on the stage of life. You're on the stage of life, and they're in the audience. And they're asking the question, is his message real? Is it real? Does he really believe that unless I believe, I'm going to hell? If so, how much, how much does he keep talking to me? How much does he keep trying to take every opportunity to help me believe? How much is he praying for me? How much? Does he really care and want me to be saved? Don't give up. Remember, the great rewarder, the God of Israel, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's watching. He's cheering you on. Bring the message to the Jewish people. So 
Here we have a king which knew not Joseph, and therefore he hated the Jewish people. And that tells us to know Joseph is also to love Joseph and his people. You know, Joseph was the kind of person that if you knew him, you were just drawn to him. He had a simple childlike faith. He had a, a vision, his dream that came to him, that God gave to him. He was not afraid of, of holding on to that dream throughout his whole life because he knew it came from God. He trusted God. Now, this king didn't know Joseph. This king didn't know the people. And this king hated the people of Joseph. And so what do we see as we come to verses 9 and 10? It shows us how this pharaoh was able to align the Egyptian people with this hatred for the Jewish people by raising suspicions. Suspicions. That was a strategy. Get the Jewish people hated by the Egyptian people by raising suspicions. First... Pharaoh got the Jewish people to isolate or to set aside the Jewish people as separate from the Egyptians. Notice the word in verse 9 that he used. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. More and mightier than we. That's a very important word. We. In other words, Pharaoh's strategy was to call out, point out, that they are different. These are them and we are us. No doubt there was intermarriage between the Jewish people and the Egyptian people. I mean, Joseph himself had an Egyptian wife, but this Pharaoh would never refer to the Jewish people as part of us. No, no, no. We are us and they are them. And this was always the strategy that he used. This is always the strategy the devil uses against the Jewish people. God has made the Jewish people, and he wants the Jewish people to be different from other people, but in certain ways. His intention for the Jewish people was that they should be different from other people, but their difference was to be in three ways. And Moses told them what their difference was to be. Not in their dress and not in ways that are not listed here. Deuteronomy 4, 6 through 8 puts it out this way. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations. So here we are talking about how they are to be different in the sight of the nations. Other people, the goyim, nations is goyim. Which shall hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them, as the Lord our God is in all the things that we call upon him for. And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this day which I set before you this day? So here we see in these verses differences. First, these verses were tell us how God wanted them to be different and to have the other nations see this difference, and that this difference was to attract the other nations to them. That's the intention of Jehovah, the Lord Jesus Christ. First, he said, God's intention was to dwell among them, to answer their prayer. You know, so much the other nations would see that God is near them. God is, 
has friendship with them. They individually have friendship with God. Each Jewish person was to be like a visitor booth, a visitor booth where the nations outside of God were to go up to this visitor booth, this Jewish person, and say, you know, I'm a visitor. I don't know God. God is not my friend. I feel so isolated from God. God is so far removed from me. But I can see that God is your friend. And God is near you. So I'm coming to you like you were a a visitor booth. And I'm the visitor. And I want God to be my friend. I want to be close to God like you are. Now, that's what God intended for the Jewish people. It's a challenge for us. Because God wants us as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ to be like that. He wants the lost to be so impressed with one thing about us. God's near us. And we're friend of God. And God wants us to be an open visitor booth. You know, the the doors are open in this visitor booth, so when the lost see us, and they see that God is with us, that they'll come to us, and they want to find out how they can have God near them, and how they can become a friend of God. Now, today, the Jewish people are far from God, the Lord Jesus Christ. But, this will change, and what are we doing today? Everything we possibly can to point them to the Lord Jesus Christ for the great change which is going to come. Second, they were to be living examples to the world of how to live a life in obedience to God's word. They were to show by their life how you obey the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. They weren't to be a picture of people, you know, walking way down saying, ay, 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 613 laws, oh, they never end, oh, it's so hard to be Jewish, it's a tough job to be a good Jew because you never can keep this, what a burden it was. They weren't to be like that. No, what they were to be like was the picture that we see in 1 Kings 10, 7 through 8, when the Queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon And she said these words, how be it, I believed not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it, and behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men, happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee that hear thy wisdom. The Jewish people were to be so happy with the wisdom and understanding of God from his word, that it would just be like infectious to other people. You know, God wants us to be happy with the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants us to be happy in obeying him. He wants us to reflect the happiness and the appreciation that we have to him. For what? The wisdom and the understanding that we have the privilege to have in this wonderful book of God, the word of God. The Queen of Sheba she just said, I couldn't believe how happy Solomon's servants were. What were they happy doing? Sitting and hearing his wisdom. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ is our Solomon. And every morning when we sit with the Lord Jesus Christ, we sit to hear his wisdom, to hear his understanding, like the servants of Solomon sat to hear the wisdom and the understanding of Solomon. It's a great privilege for us. It was a great privilege for them. It's a great privilege for us. And when we're happy with that, when we're happy to receive from the Lord Jesus Christ each morning, the world around us can see it, 
and the world around us will be drawn to know our Solomon, the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, the Jewish people are far from hearing the wisdom of their God, the Lord Jesus Christ. But we do all we can to change that, and it will change. Third, the Jewish people were to be a praying people, and they were to, to, to reflect answers to prayer that God had given them. It was to be the Jewish people that God made the promise to in Jeremiah 33.3. It was to them that God made this promise. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That's the Lord Jesus Christ who is inviting the Jewish people to call on him, that the Jewish people should call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he promises, I'll answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things which you knew not. He wants the Jewish people to be examples of how to pray to the Lord Jesus Christ and how to see God answer prayer. God wants us to be people of prayer. God wants us to celebrate the answers to prayer that God brings. And it'll be obvious to the world that prayer is not just asking God for my wish list, which never ends. Prayer is also thanksgiving to God. And today, the Jewish people are not calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we're doing all we can to encourage them to call on his name, and they will call on his name in the future. So with these three ways, the Jewish people were intended by God to be different from other people. They were to be people who had God the Lord Jesus Christ, known to them at that time as Jehovah, near them. They were to be people who were happy with the wisdom and understanding that they received from the word of God. And they were to be people who prayed and received answers to prayer and were thankful for the answers to prayer. Now, after Pharaoh had emphasized the us and the them, the Jewish people, the them, he proceeded to point out how their difference would blossom into harming the Egyptian people. Pharaoh pointed out the difference between the Egyptians and the Jewish people and that they were more in number and mightier than the Jewish people. Now, Joseph, in order to secure a separate land for them in Goshen, he told Pharaoh and he told his father to confirm it again that their occupation was very different from the Egyptians. And this we know in Genesis 46, 33-34. Here's the word that Joseph told his father Jacob to tell Pharaoh. And it shall come to pass when Pharaoh shall call you and shall say, What is your occupation? That ye shall say, Thy servant's trade hath been about cattle from our youth even until now, both we and also our fathers, that ye may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. Pharaoh's main point was to emphasize the difference between the Jewish people at this time and the Egyptian people. How numerous we were, how powerful we are. We're sure they also pointed out how there were shepherds, an abomination, and this was going to harm the Egyptians. Now, in Exodus 1.10, he goes on to say, we have to do something about this. So you can almost feel it when he says, come on. In other words, he's inviting the Egyptian people to now participate 
in the persecution against the Jewish people. He said, let's be wise about this. Let, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. This was the big thing. He said, we have got to stop the birth rate, lest they multiply. And it come to pass, when, when there falleth out any war, they join unto also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. In other words, he was saying, they are not for us. They're against us. They're about to join with our enemies. They're about to cause the destruction of the land of Egypt. What could be farther from the truth? I mean, Joseph protected the land of Egypt by keeping it from falling to its enemies. Joseph protected it from being internally destroyed by starvation. Joseph protected Pharaoh by getting all the people to be sold to Pharaoh. So this was so wrong. But this pattern of pointing out a difference to them and saying that this means they'll harm us, this is the pattern that the enemies of God, the enemies of God's people have used. Sanballat used this very same pattern when he wanted to stop the Jewish people from building the wall. And that we see in Ezra 4, 11-13. When Sanballat wrote the letter back to Babylon against the Jewish people, this is what he wrote. And this is the copy of the letter that they sent unto him, even unto Artaxerxes the king. Thy servants, the men on this side of the river, and at such a time, be it known. Boy, you can almost hear like, behold, from the Egyptian pharaoh. Be it known unto the king that the Jews which came up from thee to us are coming to Jerusalem, building the rebellious and the bad city and have set up the walls thereof, and joined the foundations. Be it known now unto the king, that if this city be builded and the walls set up again, then will they not pay toll, tribute, or custom, and so shalt thou damage the revenue of the kings. That was the pattern. Suspicion. The Jews, these people, they are not of us. They are building a rebellious and a bad city so that they won't pay toll and they'll damage the revenue. See, that was a strategy. Same strategy we saw with Haman. In Esther 3, 8 through 9, Haman goes to a king Ahasuerus and he says, and Haman said unto a king Ahasuerus, there is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of the kingdom. And their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore, it's not for the king's profit to suffer them. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those that have the charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasuries. You know, that was also done against the Lord Jesus Christ. He was there doing wonderful miracles. He was casting out demons. He was healing all the sick that were brought to him. It didn't matter what it was, whether it was a lame, whether it was a blind, whether it was a withered body. He healed them. And so the enemies, what did they do? In Matthew 12, 24, they aroused suspicion. How was he able to do this? They were introducing that suspicion. Where does this power come from? Undoubtedly, he has power. Ah! They said in Matthew 12, 24, but when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. See, separation, suspicion, the pattern. Now, as we think today of the differences that led to the persecution of the Jewish people back in Pharaoh's day, it reminds us how we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ were not of the world. And that our differences should be in our refusal 
to engage in a lifestyle that the world has. You know, the world has a philosophy. It says in 1 Peter 4, 7, a very interesting phrase. It says, but the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Think of that phrase. The end of all things is at hand. We should be the people that see the end of all things at hand. And that changes our lives to not go along with the drunkenness, so to speak, of this world, but we are sober. The end of all things is at hand. You know, the lost, they don't see the end of all things at hand. They don't see beyond their lives. They don't see their lives coming to an end. They don't see their lives on earth coming to an end. They don't see the, this world is coming to an end. And so, therefore, they live for today. But as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we see beyond our life on this earth. We see beyond the destruction of this world, and so we live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. How can we thank you enough for being for us, Lord, the God, our God, who, Lord, takes us out of this veil of flesh that we're living in now, who, Lord, has said that the time in our flesh is limited and then you will bring us to heaven to be with yourself. Help us, Lord, to make sure that the difference in our lives is due to the fact that we live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for this word that we studied today. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom, today you made quite a disturbing description of Jewish people who reject the Lord Jesus Christ, and I, I think you described him as Messiah-rejecting and mercy-forsaking. Many Christians have more of a romantic opinion of the Jewish people that are they're just on the verge of accepting Jesus as their Savior and that they just need a loving Christian to connect the last few dots on their journey to God. And because they are the people of God, that you know, they'll instantly believe. But that is not how you described them. Uh, I think you described them as trapped and needing a drastic deliverance. Um, can you elaborate or talk about that a little bit more? Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I am from them. I come from them. And I talk with them uh, uh, all the time. And I know my people. And my people are, are uh, I'm sorry, they're, they're just not uh, just on the verge of accepting Jesus as their Savior. And they, they're, they're just not just waiting for someone to, uh, you know, to put together the last few dots on their puzzle in front of them, and then they're going to come and, and, uh, and be a Christian. That's just not the way it is. And the way they really are is described so accurately by Paul in Romans 10, 21, where God says that put to Israel, he says, but to Israel, he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hand unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. That's how God describes them. He says, look, this people is a disobedient and they're a gainsaying people. When God gave the commission to go to his people, to the prophet Ezekiel, he said to him over and over and over again, they're rebellious, 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 rebellious. And God said to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, I want you to understand something, that I'm not going to send you a people of a different tongue. In other words, non-Jewish people. I'm sending you to your own people. And then God said to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, do you understand that if I had sent 
present you to a non-Jewish people, you would be Mr. Success, that they would listen to you, that they would hearken to you. But just cheer up, my dear prophet Ezekiel, because that I am sending you to your own people. I am promising you they will not listen. Why? They didn't listen to me. They won't listen to you. But be encouraged, my dear prophet friend Ezekiel, because I'm going to make your forehead stronger than your forehead. So your job is going to be to butt foreheads. But Ezekiel was very obedient to God, and that was what he did. But we also want to remember something about the Jewish people found in Romans eleven twenty eight, where it says, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, and they are. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. God has said to Abraham, he would love his seed. Those are the Jewish people. God has said to Abraham, he would build his seed so that they would be as the stars of the heaven. They would be as the sand of the sea. And he has. God has said to, to, to that all Israel will be saved. And there will come a day when every Jewish person, person who is standing alive on the earth will be be a saved person, will be preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, will be loving the Lord Jesus Christ with all of his heart, and that's the day that we work toward, because they are beloved for the Father's sake. Therefore, we also love them for the Father's sake, and because the Lord Jesus Christ loves them. Thank you for joining us today. Now, do you have a Jewish friend or know of a Jewish person that needs to be reached with the gospel? Would you like to give them a gospel gift or have one sent directly to them? You can contact Israel Restoration Ministries directly by phone, and we can help you to do that. Call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. And we can help you to reach God's lost nation of Jewish people first by sending them a Tom Cantor DVD, booklet, or other resource that's available from Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries. Go to friendshipwithgod.org for more info. Thanks for listening and join us next week.